Hello and welcome back to the City of Our Ratings Radar podcast after our summer break. Uh, I mean that in the sense that we are now past the summer holidays, although not past the summer weather. It's 28 degrees in London today and counting. So joining me for our autumn season is my colleague and co-chair Angus Foote and our monarchs of fund manager analysis, Nisha Long and Frank Talbot. But it's a special edition today as we forsake the nitty-gritty of fund manager performance and look instead at the latest CityWire Alpha Female report, which each year charts the progress, or lack of it, of women to have equality in the fund management industry. Uh, if you want to take a look at the report as you listen along, just Google CityWire Alpha Female and you will find it. Uh, and when you do go there, you'll see that we pulled no punches with a headline that reads, Parity for Female Portfolio Managers is almost 200 years away. So, Nisha, you helped create the report. Uh, it's really not in any way good, is it? No, not at all. As you just mentioned, the headline, having to wait 200 years for parity in fund management is not a great headline, uh, but that's what the stats have shown. So this is the fifth year of the Alpha Female Report. Um, just to put the, those numbers into context, in 2016, there were 10.3% female fund managers, which wasn't great to start with. Rolling forward five years to 2020, it's only 11%. So the dial hasn't moved much at all. And then we've now calculated at that current rate, um, year on year, what we've been seeing is going to take 200 years. But I'm not sure if anyone has 200 years to wait to get that gender parity in fund management. Okay, these are pretty shocking figures. And we're talking about an industry that is pronouncing frequently, not only in the way it runs its own business, but the, in the companies invest in how much they are anxious, desperate to see uh, female equality, uh, equality, diversity across all parameters. Uh, so they're telling on el everyone else to put their own house in order, uh, but seem to be doing very little of it themselves. Mm, I mean, um, they are doing well in the fact that, um, so just looking at the last five years, the fund management groups have got more females coming through the door through graduate schemes, having parity at that level. Um, so at entry level um, and also, you know, working up the ranks within the company, the asset management company. But when it comes to fund management, we are not seeing that pipeline um, coming through. And if that pipeline is coming through, um, we wanted to have a look at the stats to see, you know, what could be the reason why that number has not changed. It's at 11%, you know, from 10 um, so this year we looked, we had did a deep dive into turnover. So looking at um, the last 10 years, how many fund managers, male or female, were added to funds during that period and who is there now? So that's get a percentage turnover figure there. And the numbers were quite stark. So this is just showing you how many females in percentage terms are staying on once they get into that role of fund managers. So in 2020, the male turnover is 27% and the female turnover is 42%, which is almost double that of males. And what I found was that was quite stark was we also did this in 2019. So looking back 10 years from 2019 and the male turnover was 28%, but female was 40%. So actually it's gone backwards. So 42% this year for female turnover last year, it was 40%. So I think the issue that we are, seeing now is you know how do you once they become fund managers how do you retain them so those numbers are showing that they're not staying as long as their male counterparts okay and is this for the perhaps a reason that 
all companies face, not only within fund management, that uh, women take it take career breaks, they have children, and they find it really difficult to get back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, totally agree with that. I think um, one of the reasons is maternity leave. Um, once, you know, they just need, in, also in my case as well, you know, need some flexibility when you come back to work. And um, perhaps that hasn't been on offer so far in fund management. I know some companies do, um, you know, kudos to them. But there is this um, feeling that maybe you can't you know, put your all into the fund management role. And it's not necessarily that they've moved out of the company completely that they work for currently. They've just been moved on to a different role or they see, you know, a different path for themselves. So we did a deep dive into some of the managers who, you know, are in these turnover figures at some companies. Um, and some have moved on to risk management, for example, into research roles, which may be maybe less demanding on their time. Maybe that's a, you know, the wrong perception that we should have, but um, may offer them more flexibility in their role. And perhaps that's, as I said, it's just one reason that this may be happening. One of the things that strikes me every year when we look at this, and, and I think this turnover research that Nisha has done really, really drives this home, why wouldn't you want to retain all that talent? You go to all the trouble of developing it, training people, getting them to a very, very high level of expertise and, uh, and developing a, a, rare, a rare and valuable skill. Then you let it walk out the door. I mean, it's just kind of a, it just seems to me that, that, that something is, is going wrong for both sides there. One thing that I heard quoted recently, I can't remember who said this to me, but it's stuck in my mind. Maybe what will change is that when men start demanding those sort of flexibility that women have been asking for for a long time, we'll start to see a cultural change overall. Maybe, maybe the flexible working that we're all getting used to post-COVID will, will have a massively beneficial effect if it, if it filters through and, and, and you start seeing both genders treated equally in that way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, another reason I think we can't dismiss is culture as well, corporate culture. Um, so once you're through the door as well, you know, how are they maintaining that relationship? It has been a, you know, a male dominated industry for a very long time. And sometimes it can be hard to penetrate. So if females are not seeing other females, you know, in the company, it's what you see. If you're not comfortable, you know, being there, it's completely dominated. Um, I think that could have some aspects to it as well. It's just um, once you have got people through the door is flexibility is working hours is culture as well you know how are they approaching the females are they treated on equal standing um are they promoted at the same rate what kind of funds are they given small versus large which we've seen in our research as well you know in the last year's female alpha female report we did do a deep dive into the sectors and where the fund manager the female fund managers were most prominent and it tended to be in the niche sectors uh, running smaller funds in most cases yeah, interesting. I mean, let's stick on that a little. Are there any particular sectors that are better than others? And are there any countries of employment where, uh, which are better than others? Yeah, I think, uh, well, Asian countries, um, they've had the highest number of female fund managers. I mean, they're still not shooting the lights out with the numbers, but they have the higher um, rate. And also what we've seen is the managers who are, you know, AAA rated, um, really strong um, focus on Asian funds, you know, they, they are at the top. I just want to mention one manager, Karina Zhao. Um, she's in our top 30 of fund managers for five-year consistency, as well as being having the highest management ratio for her AAA rating as well. And she manages the Taiwan fund. So it's a country-specific fund. 
and the fund is around 300 million pounds in size so it's not a massive fund. So it's not in the billions but it's in a niche area she's shooting the lights out you know she's doing really well in this sector but in my mind I, i'm still thinking why isn't she managing more money um if she's got this talent um she's on top of every table that we've seen over the you know last few years so it's um give her the money <laughs> let her manage a right. bit more it's interesting to compare this to the other side and i'm thinking particularly in america uh, angus where mm. there are women female fund selectors who literally uh, and you'll remind me of the name who are commanding over a trillion dollars of assets yeah, Anna Schneider at Bank of America, I think, is who you're referring to. And it's yeah. interesting, we've highlighted this in the, in the text of the report, but we've been hearing more and more from these big professional investors, these big gatekeepers, that they are starting to actively question the asset managers they invest with on their gender balance, their diversity, partly because uh, it's the right thing to do, but also partly because this idea of mixed teams and diversity of decision-making, I mean, it's been shown consistently that you get better results with a more diverse range of decision-making inputs. And I think this idea of mixed teams seems to have really taken hold. The, the big buyers, the gatekeepers, they fear groupthink. They don't want to invest with people who are all going to herd in the same direction. So they want to see diversity of thinking in the teams they invest with. And so these big, you know, these huge US firms are starting to say, right, okay, it, it, before we give you any money to run on our behalf, we want to know what your diversity uh, credentials look like and what your, your gender mix is. And, and that, I think, could really start to move the dial here. If these firms are serious about doing that and use that as one of their decision-making uh, criteria, then I think, um, I think that could be the start of, of something more significant. I hope so, anyway. Yeah. Frank, I think you wanted to come in. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I think um, this is purely just, just based on my observations. But something I've observed is that typically women fund managers are getting added to strategies that are already established with great track records. Um, they're rarely the, the incumbent. They're rarely the first people to set up the strategy in the process. In the, in the larger sectors. A name that comes to mind is uh, Victoria Stevens. You know, sorry to kind of pick her out. She runs a uh, AAA rated manager at Lion Trust. She was added in 2015 to their uh, UK small cap fund. It's probably the best UK small cap fund that there is. Uh, but she was added, you know, many years after, you know, Julian Fosh and Anthony Cross had established it as the very best. And um, that seems to be the sort of, the sort of way in. That I, I, again, I'd really like to see those numbers. Maybe we can do that for next year. You know, how many women fund managers are joining really strong teams. But they're, again, they're mixed teams and they've managed to keep their success up with her as a name manager for five years. Is there an element of window dressing here that uh, people are demanding we have more women on, so they add, it, they add them to, uh, to, a, to an established fund? I think there is. I think, I think there's, there's, that's always a risk, isn't it? And I mean, it's hard to say from the outside, what is somebody's motivation in hiring somebody or in putting somebody on a fund? But I think Frank's point is a really interesting one. And I think that it speaks to the, the level of trust that is put in people. That I think if you're hiring talented women and developing their skills, if you think they're good, trust them with your big mainstream launches. Don't just add them to things that already exist. 
I mean, there's no harm in doing that. But actually, until you say, okay, we've got a, you know, we've got a big mainstream fund launch, or we've got a strategy here that, that really matters to us, we're going to default to the old guard. You, until you get past that, I think nothing changes. Manager that really stands out, actually, just, uh, just generally, is Gene Hines at Wellington. So Gene Hines has run uh, pharmaceutical stocks uh, at Wellington Asset Management for a long time. It's a niche area. Speaking to Nisha's point, all the stats suggest that the women fund managers are given management of money in single single sector, single country, as opposed to the big behemoths that, that a lot of the male counterparts are given. She, she, she goes about her business, does an excellent job, her and Anne Gallo also on the fund, and becomes the, the, the predominant healthcare manager in the world. I think that at some stage they're running more like 100 billion in healthcare stocks. They mm. had a big contract from Vanguard, another one from Hartford. And, and they were subadvising both of those portfolios. And I think they, they still do to this day. Maybe one of them has, has been taken away. But she's just been recently made CEO of the entire group. So clearly Wellington, I think it's about the sixth or seventh largest asset manager in the world. Uh, it's see that she's unbelievably good at her job and, and deserves it. And the importance of that sector that she's grown to be the dominant player in um, it has been, you know, it's, 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 difficult. it's difficult to question. They recognize that skill and ability. Just going to say, that. Frank, it's an interesting example, isn't it? Because hey, you've, got a, you've, got a, you've got a sector which was started niche and has become more mainstream as, as interest in that sector has grown. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, healthcare has gone, gone bonanza this year. Erin Shee's another female-rated fund manager, BlackRock. Uh, she runs the second best-selling fund, a USITS fund worldwide this year. Uh, the World Health Sciences Fund at BlackRock. I think I slightly misquoted the name. She's taken in 4.7 billion of new money this year. The strategy overall is only 8.1 billion. So it's well over half the assets we given, given the appreciation that healthcare stocks have had this year. Uh, so yeah, the dial isn't moving, but some of these women fund managers are outstanding, as you'd expect. None of the data that we've seen suggests they're any worse at managing money. As an industry, I think it's very hard for asset management to, to breach this subject because of the front office positions being filled by so few women. You know, nine of 10 is a statistic that we've been rolling out from the beginning and it's, it's difficult for them to talk about. Yeah, they say that the take in at the beginning is 50-50 and if you were to look at our middle and back offices roles, you'd see that there was much more parity there, but it, but it, but it just doesn't, hasn't happened. And it's taken far too long, 200 years is a scary number. You mentioned uh, uh, Wellington's new CEO and there are a few others, Franklin Templeton's CEO, Jenny Johnson, uh, is, uh, is in charge. And she gave an excellent interview on Bloomberg. And, and you could see a very, you know, without gender stereotyping here, a very different approach, much more open, much warmer discussion of all the issues that companies face, not just on diversity, but on, uh, on others. Uh, you know, and whereas most male CEOs I've found of, of, of these companies tend to be quite reserved, uh, guarded, they, they're sticking to their PR line. So uh, maybe it does have to, uh, A, start at the top with CEOs and B, uh, with uh, influential buyers like Anna Schneider. But goodness knows, something, something's got to happen quite no, quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I think um, so when we were doing some of our research as well, just looking at the turnover numbers, so the companies that were doing well with female turnover had some sort of measurable target or policy in place, not just a tick box exercise. It's just, you know, by this time, this should happen. So, for example, picking on Schroeder's, they have a uh, measurable targets within the company for diversity and inclusion and on their gender side 
they wanted 30% of females in senior management positions across the company for 2019, which they met. And now they've raised that to 33%. So, you know, gradually increasing that. But I think if you have, they are accountable for those targets. If they've put them out there on the media, on their website, you know, people are going to look at it and say, okay, where are you with that target? And I think with anybody, if you have some type of deadline, you are going to try and meet that you know, but if you don't have anything measurable, um, I think that could be um, a downfall as well. I see some companies as well with no targets, no quotas, not at all. I'm not saying that they're not really doing anything, but they haven't done so well in the turnover figures. That's just looking at, you know, the main at the bottom, at the top, you know, companies. It's interesting, Nisha, because it does seem that quite a lot of these companies are doing better at getting people into the senior, getting getting women into senior executive leadership roles than mm. they are at getting them into the investment roles, the hands-on fund management roles. And so that your, your turnover figures seem to me to be the key to that. It's how you keep people in those types of roles once yeah. they're there. Yeah, absolutely. They're lucrative roles. They're very well paid. You know, you want to get um, not only gender equality, you know, you want to get the equal pay, you know, in that. And within asset management firms, you know, fund management is, you know, the managing of assets is what is driving those companies in the first place. So getting the females to actually stay in those roles and identifying, you know, what is, what, what is making the female stay or go, you know, is it career progression that there's, it's just not there and they have to move different companies? Is it the flexibility or the working hours or, you know, it could be more within the companies, which I, I don't know what goes on inside internally in these companies, but, you know, it's just having, you know, standing back, looking, you know, what is going wrong? What can we do? Uh, but not just in a tick box exercise. Okay. We've done that. Is that right? How do we move on from here and, you know, go forward with this? Frank, you were going to come in. Yeah, not, not on this point, but picking up on one of Nisha's earlier points about Asia being a place where you're more likely to be a female fund manager. I mean, it's the, the numbers are pretty, pretty compelling. The top five sectors in terms of representation are all Asian sectors. So at the top of the tree with 31% of funds run by women is Asia Pacific local currency, the E&D sector. And then you've got Equity China, again, 31%. Asia-Pac smaller companies, again, 31%. ASEAN, then Greater China on 29 and 27. And there is a real cultural thing that, that exists whereby in Asian households, the women are far more likely to, to have the purse strings and, and run the money domestically, as in what, what comes in and comes out. They're less likely to run the finance, finances and investments. That's definitely still the case. But I think culturally managing money or looking after money from a younger age, or, or rather as a cultural... Has, has, has a definite impact. You think about Elizabeth Soon at Pinebridge, you know, Elizabeth Soon at Pinebridge, A-rated fund manager. She is rolled out as Pinebridge's sort of crown jewel on the equity side. It's mostly a fixed income house. It was spun out of AIG uh, many years ago. And she's, she's, she's amazing at her job. She's running 1.5 billion in Asian small cap. But again, you know, it's only a small enough market. If she, was, she had the range to something, one of the big ticket ones, like Asia Pacific, Pacific X Japan, you know, that could be more like 10 billion based on the performance that she's been able to generate. On your point, though, Frank, about holding the purse strings and the sort of cultural issues, there's, um, there's a, I, would, I point everyone in the direction of a great piece on uh, the CYS Selector website that our colleague Chris Slowly wrote, where he's interviewed an anonymous uh, former fund manager female fund manager who was rated triple uh, a rated by city wife quite a long time and has now moved out of the industry and um made some quite uh spicy comments about the fragility of the male ego 
and how um, quite often the, the, the way in which people approach decisions in investment firms leads to women, the female fund managers being pushed into the shadows, as she put it. Uh, but I think that this idea of diversity of decision-making, diverse thinking, I think that is going to become stronger and stronger. I think that's people are starting to understand that that really matters. At the end of the day, there's a profitability angle to this. If you've got better decision-making, you can get better results, you're going to get better returns. Yeah, yeah, that's not just in fund management. That's also on boards. You know, you're having diverse boards in for race, gender, you know, the full spectrum. You know, it has been proven through many research papers and people doing this research that, you know, corporate profitability is so much better if you have this yeah. diverse thinking. Well, without stretching a point too much, you know, it's like ESG. It was seen as a good thing to do three years ago. Today, it's seen as the source of alpha for investments. And I think there is some parallel there. It's not just to look good on the, you know, the corporate audits that are done. It is, you know, you have a more diversified group of fund managers. You're going to get better results. Uh, so listen, I think we could go on for hours, but actually we're, we're sort of coming up to the hour, so we might just wrap it up there. Uh, and I think it's been a brilliant discussion on what is a brilliant report. As I say, if you want to have a look at it, uh, just Google Citywide Alpha Female uh, and you shall find it. So I'd like to thank my colleagues, Frank, Nisha and Angus uh, for a fascinating discussion. And we'll be back in two weeks with another edition of Citywire Ratings Radar. <laughs>